millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Nami Hinoyen, welcome to Our Changing World from RNZ National. Now on Our Changing World, dementia researchers and clinicians are looking for people with mild cognitive impairment to join a longitudinal study to search for clues about why some people go on to develop Alzheimer's disease. The first dementia prevention research clinic launched in Auckland last week, and two more are planned for Christchurch and Dunedin later in the year. Veronica meets Lynette Tippett, the director of the National Clinic Network and co-director of the Auckland Clinic, and asks her to define dementia. Dementia is an umbrella term that refers to people who have multiple impairments in their thinking abilities. So these are things like memory, language finding your way around in space. So they have multiple impairments in those types of abilities, but they also have functional impairments in everyday life. So they have problems with completing the tasks that we do every day without thinking about it. Um, They have potentially some behavioural or mood problems as well. Um, And we know that these are not temporary conditions. They're not caused by a delirium, something that's going to come right in a week or two with treatment. Alzheimer's disease is one of the types of dementia. So we've got dementia at the top, if you like, and then we have a whole set of different types of dementia, of which Alzheimer's disease is the most common. Alzheimer's disease accounts for more than half of all people who develop dementia. By 2050, the incidence is expected to triple, and Brain Research New Zealand is setting up the clinics to study how dementia develops from the earliest signs that a person's memory is changing. Mild cognitive impairment is describing someone who has a significant impairment in most commonly memory abilities. So this means that they are having significant difficulty forming new memories, remembering what happened in the morning, what happened yesterday, what's going to be happening in the next few days. This is something that they'll be aware of. It's something that we can typically detect on our tests, and it's quite different from the ordinary changes in memory that occur with normal ageing. So it's certainly not everyday forgetfulness, and it's not even to do with forgetting where your keys or sunglasses are. It's actually to do with much more significant um, memory problems. But the thing that distinguishes mild cognitive impairment from a dementia is that people with mild cognitive impairment don't have problems in their everyday life. They're basically functioning Normally, they're doing their normal tasks. They might need to compensate, or they will need to compensate, for their memory difficulties. So there might be, you know, some changes in how well they remember their appointments and how much they rely on additional aids. But essentially, their functional abilities in everyday life are normal. So we're talking about a group of people with a significant change in cognition, but with normal abilities to function in everyday life. So for people who might be listening and might be interested in this, what are you planning to do? This is a group of 
researchers, clinicians working together on all sorts of aspects with the goal of trying to figure out some early signals of what happens on the road to dementia. What would be in it for the participants? I guess the moment people come to our clinic, they are really joining in a a partnership with us about research. And that has to be important to people who want to come along. When they're coming along, they will receive a pretty in-depth, well, the most in-depth assessment available for um, mild cognitive impairment, and this will involve uh, a clinical assessment, assessment of thinking abilities, lots of uh, assessment around lifestyle factors, uh, brain imaging for most people, but not everyone, and blood samples. And we'll listen to them, actually. It is a partnership, and we definitely have a lot to learn from the experiences of people with this condition and uh, with what their families have to offer as well. So when they come along, they will have that, and we will be following them longitudinally. They will also have the opportunity to take part in a range of other studies that will be developed as we manage to recruit a good cohort of people with MCI. And these studies, some of which will be mechanistic in nature, that are trying to understand more about what's happening for people with MCI and in particular for those people with MCI who go on to develop dementia because I think that is an important point. Not everyone with MCI progresses to have a dementia. We know that everyone with a dementia has gone through a period when they will have MCI uh, but not everyone with MCI goes on to develop dementia and we're not very good yet at knowing the difference. Do you have any numbers on this relationship? How many people with mild cognitive impairment are likely to go on to dementia? Well, if you read the literature, it will say about 10% of people per year who have mild cognitive impairment will progress to a dementia. And if you do the maths on that, it, it makes it sound like after 10 years, everyone will have progressed to dementia. But we know from a number of international studies that have followed people in the community that that's not the case um, and that perhaps 50 to 60 percent of people will have progressed to a dementia after five to six years but a number of people will have stayed exactly the same uh, with the same level of difficulty and a number of people will actually have improved back to more normal levels of memory performance. So in that sense, mild cognitive impairment is not even a one-way road. You can actually recover back to normal functioning? Yes, for some people, they do recover. A small percentage, probably, will recover. Their functioning returns to what would be appropriate for their age group. But a reasonably large percentage of people don't worsen, don't progress to dementia. And we, we can't tell yet who's going to progress or what is it about the people who progress that distinguishes them from those who don't. We're starting to get a lot of clues from large-scale epidemiological studies that have been able to identify risk factors at the population level, but we have to translate that into what is it for this individual that puts them at higher risk or not. Can you talk me through some of that? Because that's obviously what you'll be trying to look for with the help of this group of people to see what exactly it is that in one person points in one direction and another person in the other. Talk me through, please, through some of the risk factors, but also whether you have any 
idea of what to look for? Is it about blood flow in the brain? Is it about some chemical markers in the blood? Well, what we know from the epidemiology is that there's a range of factors that put you at risk for developing dementia. And there's a group of them that we would call modifiable risk factors. I think it was a surprise, really, when we came to realise that the same risk factors that exist for heart disease are important as well for dementia. Seems obvious now, but it, but it wasn't. So, for example, elevated blood pressure, elevated cholesterol, obesity, diabetes, low physical activity, they're all risk factors for developing dementia. Perhaps even more surprising have been findings that suggest that other sorts of lifestyle factors, such as uh, level of cognitive or mental stimulation, are important. Social connectedness and social interactions seems to be a very important modifying variable in the likelihood that someone will progress to dementia. Stress is important. Mood is important. Sensory function is important. So hearing and vision, they're all uh, risk factors uh, for progressing on. Diet's another one that we've got some evidence that certain kinds of diets reduce the risk for a progression to dementia. Listening to that, I, I'm wondering, because my perception of the reason why we see an increase in dementia was largely because we're simply growing older. People live longer, so we see more people with dementia. But listening to what you just said, I'm wondering whether, in fact, it is yet another lifestyle disease, that it's less important how old you are, but more important how we live our lives in younger years. Well, there's two parts to an answer of that question. Age is still the biggest risk factor for dementia. So... It is a disease that is prevalent in older people and people over the age of 65. It starts to increase in its percentage of people who are affected. So I guess age is not modifiable. <laughs> We've got to live with that one. Yes, I think that a lot of people would agree, a lot of researchers would agree, that the lifestyle that people are living in mid-years uh, in particular, uh, 40s and 50s, seems to predict the increased risk or the likelihood of developing dementia. So those many of these lifestyle factors are factors that need to become part of a public health message that looking after these aspects of your lifestyle are going to decrease your risk of developing dementia. When we're talking about decreased risk, some of these factors we know, they decrease the prevalence of dementia in the population for the individual, what they might do is give them an extra two, three, four, five years of healthy functioning before the underlying pathology associated with the dementia becomes evident. So in that sense, many of these factors delay the onset of a dementia picture. Now, some people say to me, well, that's, well, you know, that's cheating. That's not really a cure for dementia. No, these things are not a cure for dementia. But I think that most people would agree that, you know, five years of good quality life 
before the onset of dementia, it's preferable to having it five years earlier. And there's also some evidence that in people who, for example, have been highly intellectually active, who've been physically active, who have maintained their social networks and looked after their health, that when or if dementia develops in that person, then the number of years, if you like, that they have dementia is reduced because the point at which they're showing symptoms, the pathology that's developing in the brain is actually more advanced because they've been able to function normally despite the pathology for you know these additional years. So it means that the amount of time of experiencing dementia until death is, is much shorter. So I think these lifestyle factors, they enable people to function at a very good and normal level for a much longer period of their life. Are you hopeful that there is something there somewhere that could prevent the onset, even in somebody who may be predisposed in some way? That's still not curing it, but that's kind of preventing the onset? Yes, we're very hopeful of that. And I think one thing I haven't emphasised yet is that the work at the clinic, the research that's going to be undertaken, much of it will be undertaken by a large team of scientists who are part of um, Brain Research New Zealand Centre of Research Excellence. And these are scientists working at the biomedical level who will be looking for mechanisms at a much more fundamental level, if you like, of changes that are occurring in the brain. So we are hopeful that we're going to identify biomarker signatures of change that may be detectable by a blood test or may be detectable by some other collection of assessments. And those researchers will be working very, very hard to find ways to intervene with those mechanisms of change that they're identifying. I think I'd want to be realistic and kind of acknowledge that millions, well, billions of dollars have been spent on research and clinical trials for a, a cure for Alzheimer's disease, the pharmaceutical trials, and the progress on that front has been very, very slow. There's no curative agents yet. There are some medications that reduce the symptoms for some people for a period of time, but there's nothing that changes the rate of progression. So we will be doing our utmost to identify factors that might prevent or reverse the cycle of changes that's actually occurring in the brains of people with these diseases. That's our goal. But we're not going to rely just on that science. We're also going to rely on trialling interventions that combine modifiable risk factors, if you like, to see if we can slow the rate of progression in people who are already showing the early signs of change. That was Lynette Tippett, a neuropsychologist at the University of Auckland and the co-director of the Auckland Dementia Prevention Research Clinic, launched by the Centre of Research Excellence, Brain Research New Zealand. That's all for now. For more, check us out on the web rnz.co.nz slash Our Changing World. Matewa.